Welcome to Your Living Life Legacy Matters, powered by the Faith-Based Cause Initiative and NRM Streamcast. Uh, it's with great uh, honor and privilege uh, on behalf of our chair, Mr. Uh, Gregory Garland and Dr. Pastor William Revely, that I have the opportunity to host a special guest uh, for a return episode as we celebrate this particular uh, conclusion of Black History Month and as we look at just the incredible job that some of our broadcasting networks, our mainstream broadcasting network has done pointing out people clearly being in our uh, national headquarters uh, which is the greater Detroit uh, Michigan area, we have a strong bias but we do know that we have a bias as well documented and when you can have living life uh, legacies such as the guest that we're going to reintroduce you to that can still be sharing with you uh, information that is just at the highest level of integrity and credibility based on her character which is clearly documented. We tell our young people, our young audience all the time, uh, whenever you go forward with anyone, it's important for you to calibrate their credibility and their character and their integrity, uh, those things first and foremost, because those are not characteristics of potential. They're characteristics that a person has achieved over a course of a period of time. Their character, their integrity, and their character. And we're pleased to have this particular uh, uh, individual here in our studio again. And so without further ado, we want to introduce you to Beverly Kendall Walker. Thank you so much for returning. Thank you. Thank you again for having me uh, in, in this moment in time where we are celebrating and remembering uh, the Black History Month, uh, which re really should be, uh, if we would be, honest about it, we can celebrate it for 365 days. Of course. Because there's just so much history uh, there uh, to be proud of and to celebrate and to restore some pride in our young people. But uh, if we don't have something down in your inside of you that base you, your foundation, that causes you to walk right, if it not be for the Lord on your side. But if you don't know that, you know, if you haven't been instilled in you and you don't have to take the initiative to learn it, to establish a personal relationship with the Lord, yes. then you're, you're maybe a little bit lost, but you can hearken back onto the achievements of the black race to bring you to a point where you can step back and appreciate the Lord's working in those individuals' lives that, yes. that brought them to what it was they were able to achieve. You know, I wanted to sneak something in quick, because in our first episode, uh, you and I had to fellowship, you brought up Angela Davis, mm -hmm. and uh, I, I can't wait for the uh, movies to be told about the Black Panthers and understanding how really cruel and just how ridiculous and brutal the media was mm -hmm. to a group of individuals that saw wrong. They just saw wrong, and they didn't have millions of dollars. What right. they had was their human capital. Mm -hmm. They came together to, to, to help the refer to in third world countries as, as the seed crop, mm -hmm. to help the youth. Right. They started the first 
breakfast program, mm -hmm. the first the lunch first. program. Right. How many of our younger mm -hmm. audience individuals know that? Now, you, I'm crediting this to my Aunt Flory, who basically took me to school at my Uncle Mac and Aunt Bessie's home over on Taylor, you know, okay. off, Dexter. off of Dexter. And I okay. was telling her, because I was a smart 16-year-old, you know, it's amazing. When I was 16, I was the smartest man in the world. <laughs> if you don't believe me, just ask me. Did I come to learn I really was not? And I was sharing with my Aunt Flory about, you know, I wanted to be really into the Malcolm X movement. And the one thing about our family was a little bit too aloof. Mm -hmm. We had too many things, you know, and uh, we, we just aren't these revolutionaries. And she just literally spanked me verbally. And I think she actually spanked me with her hand, too, and told me her. The, the good old backhand. Right, the good old <laughs> backhand. The good old march that she had with Bobby Seals, Huey Newton, uh, Eldridge Cleaver, you know, mm -hmm. Angela Davis, people that were betrayed as people people that they were not. They were actually uh, folks that were kind, loving, concerned, and wanted to make an impact in the world. So I want to kind of have you share a little bit of that with well, us. Well, let me just say that part of that problem with the uh, Black Panthers getting that bad rap was uh, the Patty Hearst kidnapping. And so white people looking for a boogeyman besides the SLA, which is Sibonese Liberation Army, which was the one who was responsible for her capture and then her, like, conversion. But they conflated that to the Black Panther, and that was never, there was no connection there. So during that era, you had the Black Panthers, and you had, you know, Black Pride was uh, elevating James Brown, said loud and black and proud. Yes. All those things was happening at the same time, but they got a bad rap for the Patty Hearst situation that Angela Brown was connected with. Right. I mean, Angela Davis was connected. Davis, yes. She was connected with that. Uh, but that was a learning curve for her, indeed, because she was a high intellectual, and still is, yes. uh, as a professor you know, in California. But uh, that was the problem there, was the conflation of um, the Black Panther Party, because they were doing tremendous work, conscious raising. You know, on on the West Coast, and then it spread, of course, you know, Chicago and Detroit. Yes. Uh, but uh, yeah, that that was a very interesting time in my life because that was my beginning, graduating from high school, and just a whole lot of great things and troubling things were happening. But we stayed ahead and abreast because we still was coming off of the march in Washington from '68. Uh, uh, I mean, the uh, the rise in '68 and '67. And then, of course, the um, uh, march in Detroit in 63. My parents was all on all of that. So it was always fresh um, in my mind, uh, the need to be strong and, and black and proud. Yeah. And you know, when I think about my father's work uh, with uh, Coleman Young and my giving uh, birth to my brother's consciousness and awareness about the city of Detroit um, and remembering all the ticket sales mm -hmm. <laughs> which we just had fun with uh, and just uh, <laughs> you know, my dad was top ticket sales person oh, okay. for the NAACP for the dinner. A, a number of times Look, obviously with my Uncle Mac and my uh, Auntie uh, you know Flory and Bessie uh, you know the, we, uh, my father learned really good he learned really well and if you, and my father was a very conservative ultra conservative but when he, when he gave you the envelope the mm. The tickets never came back. Right. Oh, yeah. You're going to sell what, them. Yeah, he didn't care what you did with the tickets. Right. <laughs> Everybody got their envelope. And we did some good. Uh, we got to see good. And so as you and I were discussing a little bit, um, uh, how about the fruits 
that a person bears. If you mm -hmm. can kind of take a look at them as a tree, I think of just so many people that Mayor uh, Coleman Young touched. Uh, one of my most recent uh, heroes is really um, uh, Mr. Lewis James, okay? And mm -hmm. uh, he basically, uh, matter of fact, I, uh, one of the nieces of Coleman Young runs his company, okay. uh, Tiffany, uh, who will have uh, in Women's History Month. Um, mm -hmm. Just to see how Mr. Lewis James is just so kind and gracious to people uh, of color, mm -hmm. but all people, okay? okay? His hospitality is overwhelming, and you could just see and tell that that was something he got not only from his brother Jimmy, uh, certainly God rest Jimmy's soul, but mm -hmm. from being a, a now the opportunity to have a third generation logistics trucking company, mm -hmm. energy efficiency company, mm -hmm. and obviously I was introduced to Mr. James by uh, our CEO, Mr. Garland, but when he told me everything went back to Coleman Coleman Young. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he did believe in, uh, if, if I help my people, my people will help me. Mm -hmm. And so when people look back and say how terrible uh, Mayor Young was for the city of Detroit, the Detroit Free Press did an extensive study that said Mayor Coleman Alexander Young was the fifth best mayor Detroit ever had. He was the most astute uh, mayor that we ever had and operated in the black. And the way he did that was, you know, he had a Republican administration he was dealing with out of Washington. Always. Always. And so he, even though he called uh, President Reagan prune face and he got a lot of backlash for that, what he did was the citizens of Detroit taxed themselves. Then we had days where we worked, and I was on, you know, I worked for the city at that point for Councilman Clyde Cleveland. But city employees decided to work what we call doo-wop days. That was days working without pay. So you work five days a week, but on that fifth day, you didn't get paid for it. Uh, again, a younger listening audience, do? Do WAP. WAP. Which is days working without pay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. So we gave that, that Friday uh, as a service to the city of Detroit for two years, and that kept us in the black. And I remember when uh, Mary Young passed the, uh, um, if you would, policy that you could take your city car home. And in our neighborhood, which is over on uh, Kentucky, uh, over in the Mufford High School area, everyone always felt very... Um, just real secure seeing that city of Detroit car mm -hmm. right there in front of our house. My father would park it right in our house. And then in those days as well, even though I was a very young person, I noticed that there were police cars right, and police even car the other fire department. Yeah. What a great policy. Mm -hmm. What a great policy. Mm -hmm. Take your car home. Mm -hmm. And we were, we were going to talk about the black church, uh, but I wanted to say a thing about uh, Mayor Young is that, you know, a lot of time because of his colorful language that he used a lot, <laughs> he was in and out of various churches, uh, you know, as, you know, representing the city of Detroit, but also because he was welcomed there because he respected, you know, the church. He respected the, uh, the hierarchies of the church, but he believed in the Lord. He, he would say, you know, the Lord wants you to pray. Get down on your knees and pray. But after that, you got to get up off your knees and do something. Mm -hmm. You know, and so that was he was all about was doing something. He prayed. You know, he was a member of New Calvary uh, Baptist Church, yes, but he yeah. also had a foundation of being uh, in the Catholic uh, Reformation. So, but he does, he did. Uh, he said he put in a lot of dues so he could sleep in a lot of Sundays if he chose to, 
but he did reference the Lord. Could you uh, share with us uh, again, uh, as you well know, we have a ministry uh, at the Faith-Based Cause Initiative to provide each faith-based cause-based or charitable outreach organization uh, in the greater, uh, if you would, Michigan area, cost covered. That is, there's no cost to them uh, broadcasting capability to do the things that they've been doing prior to the pandemic one-on-one, -on -one, mm -hmm. but to actually do it from a visual perspective. And can you uh, share with us when we talk about the uh, black church specifically, uh, how do you see it now and, and, and how do you see us helping it move through this pandemic where, again, I don't know what the offering is now, but I would imagine in the smaller churches, and I call small 500 members or less, mm -hmm. that they're really taxed. I don't see it really affecting our larger churches that have 10,000 plus members, mm -hmm. but we want to save as many as we can by giving them, um, Sister Walker, we want to give them uh, free technology services and executive support to help them raise more funds outside of the community. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, I'm a member of uh, Bailey Temple, Church of God in Christ. Uh, we've oh. been around since 1926. Yes, Founded you have. by Bishop uh, uh, John Seth Bailey, <coughs> yes. who was a great friend of Coleman Young, and as well as um, our governor, uh, Sophie Williams, when uh, President Kennedy ran for election, they recognized the need to activate and motivate the black community to turn out the vote for, in 1964, uh, John F. K. And so Bishop Bailey was a driving force in Detroit okay. for the Kennedy um, uh, in election, as well as the other thing that was going on in the community was the uh, poli polio vaccine, <coughs> excuse me, uh, was, was out. And they needed the black community to, to buy into getting the polio vaccination. So you had a lot of things happening at the same time that the church was really important with getting that message out, how important it was to participate in the civic process. And so that polio vaccine, which was you know, distributed in a lot of churches and schools, in addition to getting ready for that vote in the fall of 1960 for um, John F. Kennedy. Okay. So our church was really important uh, in that area, and then our bishop, uh, founder of Church of God in Christ, uh, Charles Harrison Mason, passed away on November 17th of 1961. But he did see the effort of the church coming together to assist in the uh, uh, election of John F. Kennedy uh, prior to his passing. Yeah. Well, you know, it's been a pleasure having you here. And uh, I, I don't know, you know, uh, I do know one thing. Uh, the Church of God in Christ, um, has been a flawless uh, movement of empowering uh, mm -hmm. the black community. It has so many uh, pastors and so many of the, our, our women within the actual structure of the church that are just taking the lead. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're really leaning heavy right. on the leadership of the church and God in Christ because what shoulders could hold the, the weight of a pandemic better? Mm -hmm. I was so pleased to see uh, Bishop Blake in action when he said, 
don't even worry about the pandemic. We closed. Mm, exactly. While other churches were saying, well, let's have a meeting like every mm -hmm. month and figure out. We're going we're to see what right. happens, okay? The vision and the foresight of Bishop Blake to be able to provide that strong message. Forget about it. Mm -hmm. Guys, we're in a pandemic. This is not a game, mm -hmm. you know, so don't buy into that where we can be, uh, you know, kind of open and not open. And we just look so much forward to your leadership with the church and God in Christ and our other brothers and bishops mm -hmm. and pastors. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me once again. You're very welcome. And thank you, listening audience.